Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Retro Encounter, the RPG Fan Off-Topic Weekly Podcast. My name is Mike Solosi, and today we are very, very excited to talk all about one of my personal favorite PS2 games, Persona 3. Now, we're doing this for a couple reasons. Chief among them being Persona 5 is out right now, or at least at the time of, if you're listening to this podcast, it is out right now. And also because... I had a lot of fun recording the Persona 4 episode last year and kind of wanted to do a similar thing for 3. Anyway, I'm here with two luminaries of RPG fan to talk about the game with me. First among them, Robert Fenner. I'm just wondering if um, the Dark Hour accounts for Daylight Savings Time. You know, that's a great question, because recording the episodes this weekend, I was very confused by a lot of Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> <laughs> we both threw it all. Yeah, because uh, uh, in the UK, it, it's two weeks after it happens in the US, and and in the state where Derek Hebsbergen resides is the one state in the US that does not follow it, so I had... Oh, oh for real? Yeah, so I had yeah. a lot... So, so scheduling that episode and the episode with Derek was... This episode and the episode with Derek, I was just so confused. <laughs> Between, you know, UK Daylight Savings, Arizona Daylight Savings, East Coast Daylight Savings, and it was it literally changed from Saturday to Sunday. All right, but <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know how the Dark Hour figures into that, but maybe we can figure out with Robert and also Alana Higgs. Hello. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wish we'd have, like, an extra hour rather than just push it forward. What's more confusing is that you guys get Daylight Saving Time two weeks before us, but then when your clocks go back... They go back like two weeks before us as well, so you have a like a weird so summer. I wonder if yeah. like if when the clocks spring back or spring ahead, like the shadows come out at eleven p.m. instead. Yeah, maybe. And it's. Just... I just remembered that Japan doesn't have daylight savings time, so I think that's ruined my joke. Mm. <laughs> oh. Well, one of us will have to conduct shady experiments with a you know an evil being from the Cthulhu mythos just on our own. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Europe or North America, either way. So anyway, we're going to talk about Persona 3 tonight. It's going to, now, if it wasn't already obvious, we're going to spoil the hell out of this game as we discuss it in detail. And because it's completely unreasonable to ask anyone to play Persona 3 in a month, that thing is 80 plus hours if you're going in, if you're going in uh, without a new game plus. So we're going to have just a special separate episode for it instead of having the regular two-parter. Because, it will, I mean, any game that's over 70 hours, it's, it's just unreasonable to ask that of a person. So, today's a special bonus round all about Persona 3. I have Alana and Robert here to talk about it with me. So where to begin, fellas? <laughs> Persona 3 is a long, involved game that made an incredible splash when it, uh, when it hit international RPG players. So, uh, I guess starting with Robert... I know you've told me off uh, recording several times about your background with the Persona series, but can you give us an abridged version of uh, of how much you like Persona and SMT and uh, and how you went into Persona Three? Oh, um, I I love Persona a great deal. Uh, I I played that first game, the uh, Revelations version of, of Persona One, um, back when it was new, uh, and did my best to overcome its arcane and frankly horrible systems to. Just you know, dive into that world and enjoy its um, rich soundtrack and unusual setting. Um, the Persona Two duology. I mean, you know, it wasn't available completely in English for a long time, but um, Eternal Punishment really spoke to me uh, when I was, I think I was about sixteen when that game came out, and and seeing this sort of subculture outsider take on um, 
being in Japanese society and dealing with a demon summoning apocalypse at the same time, um, I found very exciting. But um, Persona 3 was a really big surprise because um, Persona 2 Eternal Punishment was a very, its ending was very final. Um, and shortly after it came out, um, uh, Kazuma Kanako and um, Koji Okada uh, gave an interview where they were, you know, saying that they were happy with Persona, but it was it was over. They were putting a lid on it, and they wanted to move on to other things. And they kind of hinted at doing doing the Rido series, which wouldn't come around for another six or seven years. Um, but the Persona Three team, the uh, uh, Soejima at all that that's that's basically new blood. That, that was... Well, kind of. Like a lot of those guys, they worked as colorists and um, uh, programmers on on Persona One and Two. Right. Yeah. Sojima in particular, he he did like color correction on on um, Kanako's portraits. And, and and the 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 main producer for the game, I feel, I, feel, I feel bad for forgetting his name. You probably Hashino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashino. Yeah. Um, Hashino was a. He's a fairly new guy. Yeah, he was a fairly new guy, but he he does have credits in um in Nocturne and in some of their other older games as a programmer or script. That's right. I, I I mean maybe this is my perception of it, but I think of like the Kanako team and the Soejima team uh as sort of being just different chapters of the Persona. Oh yeah. Well, in in the same way that you know Persona One and Two were set in a different universe than. Than three and four, you know, it kind of seems like. <laughs> well, Persona Two characters do make very, very minor appearances in three. Well, very the world minor. ends. <laughs> the world ends. Well, okay, um, the, so, the world resets and then it ends. Yeah, it's it, it's it's yeah. You know, you can see it as separate continuums by different teams with different design philosophies. But but you know, as I was saying, when Persona Three was announced, everybody was like, "Whoa, that's that's come out of nowhere. That's really exciting." And and, um, you know, the world was kind of set ablaze by it, not as much as, you know, it wasn't as popular in the West as it is now. But um, that was that was a really big deal for fans of the series and, and, and myself included. Um, and it's actually kind of funny thinking about it now that um, there's a longer gap between Persona 4 and 5 than there was between, you know, the series ending and then being restarted That's between right. 2 and 3. Yeah. Six years versus almost nine years. Yeah. But three kind of reinvented the wheel, and it, it, it codified Persona into the the format that it's in now. Um, maybe a little bit rougher than uh, the uh, latest entries uh, have been, but the the framework is there, and you can see that it's it's been reinvented as this sort of more kind of young adult fiction oriented slash um, school simulation, maybe kind of virtual tourism. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, Persona 3 does ha share a thread with the older Persona games, because I think you can basically break down almost all of them as a otherwise normal modern Japanese town starts having unusual supernatural happenings, and then it spins off into a, you know, near apocalypse and a struggle of nihilism versus the human spirit. <laughs> yeah, those, those, are, those first two games are the first... Well, the first three games that made up the first two entries, they're much more in line with mainline SMT in terms of, of what's happening, whereas 3 and 4 uh, and now 5 is more of this, there's an ordinary world and then there's hidden things happening, you know, uh, beyond the veil that nobody else can see, you know, which you know, strikes me as a very more sort of young adult fiction oriented. Yes, yeah, um, the, the demons are in the real world and, and are very much part of everything happening in in Sumaru, in uh, in Persona Two, at least I'm, I'm much more familiar with Persona Two than Persona One. Mm -hmm. uh, same kind of deal, you know. Demons have been brought in through a portal in Persona One. So right, okay, 
But no, yeah, but you're all right. Persona 3, 4, and I think also 5 have a sort of there's another world where the demons are and the young people are the only ones that know about it and the only ones that can stop it. Where in Persona Seems 2, much more allegorical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in Persona 2, at least, I mean, it, it, demons are invading the real world and killing people. There's, a, there's sort of more real-world involvement in those games. But again, it's different creative teams. And, uh, and naturally they would have different things. And you're absolutely right. Persona 3 started the framework for what Persona 4 is and what Persona 5 will be soon worldwide. And, but ultimately, I do think it, it, um, it goes back to that core tenant, a place that seems like it could be a real town in Japan with, with supernatural things happening. And ultimately, it's almost, it's, al it's almost always about, like, do humans want to destroy themselves or do humans want to survive is sort of the answer to the question in Persona... In, in I think every Persona game, uh, mm. when you frame it as as you know, as, if you frame it as Nyarlathotep versus Philemon in in the first in the original ones, and then uh, what Nyx is doing and what uh, and and what the final boss of Persona Four is doing in those two games, but that, uh, maybe I'm looking a little too too deeply into it. Philemon wasn't exactly innocent. Let's put it that way. Right. Whereas. Uh, three, four, and now five, um, they they kind of seem like there's. A little bit more of like a, a what it means to be a good person uh, as the as the crux of, of those games that I think was kind of absent in the first couple. But that's just me. You might right, disagree. Well, and it, yeah, yeah, okay. We I don't, we probably won't reach a meaningful conclusion on that thread. Um, <laughs> there's still a lot to talk about Persona 3. Alana, how did you get into the series exactly? You two have scared me. Like, you know so much. Oh my goodness. I'm a relative newbie to Persona, so I well, just... <laughs> so I did try and play three fests back when it came out, maybe about a year or two afterwards. I really couldn't get into it, and also tried to get into on a side um, SMT three Nocturne, which is brutal and has probably scared me a little bit off of the series. But two years ago, I got PS Vita and uh, picked up Persona Four Golden for quite cheap. Played through it, really enjoyed it, and thought, let's give Persona 3 another go because it's on PSN for really cheap. And probably for about a month to two months, I played that game solidly, and it sort of felt at a really poignant and particular time in my life where a lot of my feelings and a lot of things going around me kind of lined up with the game. So a lot of Persona 3 deals with death and grief and how to kind of grieve in some way. Uh, it came at a time where I was going through similar, almost like late teenage, like young adult feelings of kind of like, what do I, how do I process these feelings and everything? And the game just really clicked poignantly. So like Persona 4 is like the perfect like technical Persona game so far. 5 may be changing that. I, as of recording, I'm not playing it, sadly. But, um... As, as, uh, as I should mention, as of recording, <laughs> Persona 5 is not out yet in the West, but uh, when this episode gets posted, I think it'll... I think it will have. The, when I went back to play 3, obviously there was a bit of rewinding to do, but I think playing 4 helped because I knew how to play, and it was more about enjoying the story and enjoying more of the other aspects of the game than 4, and overall I prefer 3 to 4 largely, because quote-unquote, it's a lot darker to be, like, really cliche about it, but I like a lot more about it. It's probably my favourite PS2 RPG at the moment. Wow. But, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of others. 
I would have swapped it around with the one we played earlier in the year, but um, my feelings have changed on that a little bit after playing it. So, <laughs> yeah, Persona 3 really clicked. It, it's one of the games I really struggled to say, oh, do you know what? I really like it, because it was just the right time. It was the right game at the right time, and it just worked for me, personally, more than 4. I completely get why people love 4 a lot, and having listened to the 4 episode, oh, like, it's, an, it's accessible. That was sweet of you, thanks. <laughs> it's quite it's way more accessible like from what i get persona 3 and 4 are a lot more accessible than one and especially one but maybe oh. even two slightly oh, definitely. Um, which is sad because i really want to play two so the original plan was to play four three and then play innocent sin eternal punishment and then one but things happened and now five's coming out so yeah i'm really excited to dig into the series more and three is a really special game me i think and i really love it so really excited to talk about it it's really nice to hear now uh, i i apologize i think i've mentioned this on other episodes but my brief persona history was i played i rented persona one many years ago uh a few years after it came out and absolutely hated it uh, mostly for mechanical reasons i thought the combat was awful the fusion was awful i didn't totally understand what was going on in the story i still don't like that game so, Alana, your plan to play them in reverse, like Innocence and Eternal Punishment, then one. I think it's a great plan if you just remove one from the equation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only 15 hours long. Exactly. I can cope with iffy gameplay 15, 15 hours. I played, I've played games with poor mechanics for longer than that and dealt right. with them. So, maybe not poor, but, you know, I think Persona 1. It would be nice to see where this series started, and if I play it for five hours and go, not really my thing, then that's fine. But I, I own it already, so I've got to play it. <laughs> I, I can't defend that game, but I, I think that Persona 2, uh, both of them, are really cool. I tried playing Eternal Punishment in, I think, the mid-2000s, probably in the 03-04 range, because uh, I, I found a copy cheap and bought it because I thought it was a rare PS1 game. And, uh, and, and, and played it and decided, okay, this is definitely better than Persona 1, but I still don't really know what's going on. So I moved on to other things. And um, because of that confusion and distaste for 1, I sort of thought, eh, Persona's not for me, I guess. So when Persona 3 got a lot of positive buzz, even among a lot of my close friends who insisted I should try to play it, I basically ignored them until I got Persona 3 Fest as a gift in, I don't know, I think 08 or 09. And hmm. then I ended up playing it to clear out backlog because I was trying to clear out back backlog in 2010 or 2011 and really really liked it and became persona obsessed and now I've played three and four a bunch of times and I've played innocent sin persona 2 innocent sin but haven't uh, gotten very far in eternal punishment yet I, I still want to uh, I still want to revisit that game eventually it's, it's pretty special for I mean among many of its features that I would champion for being like to this day the sole persona entry in which you control a group of adults right no no yeah. a lot of it intrigues me and I, I want to go back to it it's just it confused me because I didn't I didn't know anything about Shin Megami Tensei at all when I tried playing Persona 1 and Persona 2 in the early 2000s well they kind of tried to hide it back then didn't they so. <laughs> yeah no, but, but now I'm absolutely into it and and would go in there with the right mindset and with a good set of expectations. I, I played Innocent Sin and liked it a lot. The The ending is just heartbreaking in Innocent Sin. Alana, you are going to cry when you see the last cutscene of that game. I cried at both the ends of 3 and 4 as well, so that's, I'm really not that's surprised. Also, that's also justified, but I it, <laughs> um, it brought tears to my eyes seeing that final cutscene. Persona, Persona 2 Innocent Sin is a really good game. 
But I, I am interested in eventually playing Eternal Punishment. I don't know exactly when it'll happen. But, uh, Alana, your comments earlier about how Persona 4 is more accessible and a little bit more mechanically refined than 3, I, I agree with those comments, and those contribute to why I prefer 4 over 3, ultimately. Uh, hmm. maybe, maybe it's because... I don't. Maybe I just like Scooby Doo, but I, th- I think that the, light, the <laughs> that the light, more lighthearted tone of Persona Four is is very successful. I like how the how the the content of and nature of the dungeons are more uh, attached to the story and characters than three. Yeah. Three is uh, a couple a, a couple other things like that. But it is impossible to deny that Persona Three is excellent, and also was the sort of foundational change to the Persona formula that is. That is going to be carried through to new games. I mean, the Persona 3's DNA is definitely in very, very present in 4 and 5. And I, I, I like Persona 3 a lot. Um, but where to begin from here? Uh, one thing that I... I think Robert and I touched on it a little bit a second ago, and I think is maybe worth exploring. In all of the Persona games, in, probably including one, but I don't know as much about that one, the, the, the city that they're in is almost a character in itself. Because, um, I would agree, yeah. 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 Uh, Sumaro in 2, Inaba in 4, uh, that that particular slice of Tokyo in 5, and uh, um, Tatsumi Port Island in Persona 3, all are very distinct settings that so, that um, are very important parts of those games. So um, They're quite, I mean, with the exception of Persona 5, they're kind of like contemporary Japan settings that you don't often see. I mean, Sumaru is yeah. basically like a Neo-Tokyo, but... Um, the, kind of the smaller town of the Kagecho in the first game, uh, Tatsumi Port Island feels like it feels kind of a little bit like Portopia or like uh, Kobe, which you know, outside of of Snatcher and and Portopia serial murders, um, it's sort of an untapped, different urban environment that that we don't usually get to see. So that was, it's a very special one. I feel. I mean, Inaban Four is a is a clear, you know, has a place clear within the Japanese countryside. And hmm. Tatsumi Port Island, they even mention in the game, the school and the island were built by uh, the Kirijo Corporation. So it's a, it's a very specific view of Japan that is shiny and modern and new, which is, you know, not an accurate view of all of Japan, of course. It feels like a very crafted city, even as you're p- playing through it. Hmm. In, in, a way yeah. that, uh, in a way that I didn't, I didn't feel in Sumaru or, uh, or Inaba. But um, but uh, like it's it's big and modern and shiny, but also very Japan, also very Japanese, and felt like I think you mentioned earlier, Robert, um, felt like v- virtual tourism for most of the game because hmm. you're staying in that city and seeing every corner of that city over a seventy-plus hour playtime. And, and I, I wish there were a few more places to go, but I, I really enjoyed my time in in Tatsumi Port City. Yeah. Yeah, and also I'm a little bothered that it. It seems big, but there's only specific parts you can go. Yeah. Persona 4, yeah. you feel like you, you go through every corner of Inaba. Uh, coming off the back of Persona 2, which opens up a different district of the city every few plot beats, you know, seeing that just everything was open from the beginning in, in Persona 3, and and they really equated to just maybe one or two screens. I, I felt like, oh, it's a little bit small, but I, I still liked it. Yeah, like, definitely. And, like in GeckoCon High School, you can only go to the main floor and the floor where the second uh, where the second year students are. Hmm. But we're in, yeah. in Yasogami High School in four. You could go to every floor of the school. Uh, just little things like that made 
Tatsugi, Tatsumi Port Island seem incomplete, but I think that the setting and is, is sort of a vital part of a Persona game, maybe even more so than other uh, RPGs where are maybe less dense but more broad in terms hmm. of the space yeah. you explore. There are a couple of areas that you get to visit in the Dark Hour um, exclusively. Which is really cool, and it's nice to see. One of them is a hotel, isn't it? I think I remember the yeah, hotel. Yeah, the love one hotel. I always remember. That's right. Why? I wonder why I always remember that one. There's, because, yeah. there's yeah. a great bit where you're you're running along the the monorail tracks as well. If I remember that's under right. the moonlight. Yeah, that's, that's the that's first weird. one. Um, yeah, you, you fight you fight all of the Arcana shadows in order. So you fight. I think you fight Priestess. On the uh, on the railroad tracks, and then a couple stages later, you fight Hierophant and lovers in the love hotel. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I like those little bits; they're just like little snippets. But otherwise, yeah, compared to um, Inara, it does feel a bit smaller. Not too fast. I think there's enough there to do. Like, I think the only thing that really changes is when you get to the second, let's say, second half of the game, the secret month of January, where everything. The, the entire character, like we were talking about the island as a character, well, I mean the entire city shifts into some kind of base for cult, which basically is worshipping the end of the world and the entire mood of the entire island just dips down and you can really mm. feel in that really tight sect that something's gonna happen You're, but, you're, you're absolutely right but let's, let's back up a little bit um, yeah, We definitely. should mention that Persona 3 was the Persona game that started the trend of being a student living through a year of high school as the basic framework for the plot so you're, play, you're, mm. you're going day to day um, through a school year from April to January um, and, you, and you balance your school work and your school life with, uh, with fighting shadows and demons and so, like, when uh, Alana was talking about the secret month of January, it's, uh, you, when you discover the exact ramifications, the exact, you know, happenings of this end-of-the-world plot, plot, um, the, the last part of the game is going through January, uh, waiting to confront this end-of-the-world threatening monster. And, uh, and as that's happening, an, an evil cult, you know, that starts out as just, as, uh, uh, terrorists some evil, some bad people getting in your way and, and eventually become a sort of a powerful uh, cultist group. So yeah, um, Persona 3 was the game that started that whole, you know, calendar-based gameplay that and, uh, and the conversation systems that you engage with a bunch of your friends and classmates that gets compared to a dating sim often. That was something not present in Persona 1 or 2. That's very mm. much a part of 3, 4, and 5. Minimal presence in Innocent Sin. There's some... Yeah, that allows you to partner yeah. up at the end, but but no, not nearly in in the same way as like the kind of Togemeki Memorial esque character <laughs> building and relationship building that at you see end, in three. At the end of Innocent Sin, you can choose which party member you like the most at the at just one at a, at one uh, conversation at the very end of the game. But that that doesn't, that yeah. doesn't count. That's not really a dating scene. Hey, well, you know, it changes your demon contact. It does. It does. <laughs> Persona Two is good for people. Like, we should do. Uh, we should just do a Persona 2 episode one of these days. Maybe, maybe next year. I think we only can do one Persona next episode year. a year. Yeah. So <laughs> n- next year we can do a Persona 2 episode, Robert. Right on. That, I'll be there. That gives you a full year to play it, Alana, or at least play the at least play Innocent Sin. Good. I'm gonna do that. So, um, the one thing that I think is a strength of that calendar dating sim system is that it gives 
players a degree of freedom in cho by choosing who they hang out with, and uh, and um, you know, and, and what order they and what class activities they participate in, and and the choices that they make in their day-to-day -day life, basically lets the player shape the narrative in a way. And of course, there's ways to uh, to try to talk to everyone and get a max playthrough. But if if you're if a player is going in cold, the experience of Persona 3 will be shaped by what they choose to do and who they interact with in the game. And that uh, that that feels powerful when you're when you're in it and playing it for the first time. And as such, you meet a pretty diverse cast of characters, both playable ones and NPCs. And uh, and and these interactions also shape your activity in battle because certain uh, persona that you summon for your powers get strengthened by the different uh, the different social links you make with other people. So, uh, starting with Alana this time, was there a favorite character, either playable or different social link, that you had that uh, that particularly stuck with you in Persona 3? Because there, there's a bunch of them. There's over oh. 20. There's loads of social links. Um, I guess I'll go with playable character first. Um, I My favorite playable character in Persona 3 is Akahiko in both story and gameplay perspective, because, I mean, I, I will say this now, Post-Persona 3, he has become a bit of a scapegoat and kind of a bit of a joke, which really winds me up. But his base yeah, character in Persona 3, Persona 4 Arena, where he's yeah, basically okay. just a monster. He and GA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Just kind of, yeah, the two. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't really... mind Akihiko's new fashion choices with the, uh, the shirt. Oh, no. The, 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 <laughs> the, the no shirt, the hood... All that's great, but his personality has changed for the worse, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Akihiko is, like, he's, like, the... Um, he's a year above you, isn't he? So him and Mitsuru are a year above you, and he is kind of the cool, calm boxer who a lot of kids admire, but he's really quite chilled, and I really... His kind of presence in the group, he's, like, kind of not, like, father, I guess, but he's... Not really somebody I would normally go with in the series, um, but I think in particular his relationship with Shinji um, really helps me love him. Kind of the way that he kind of breaks. This is where I'm jumping plot a little bit. Is where um, him and Shinji basically have some sort of history outside because Seeds, the group that Mitsuru, that all of the characters join, which was started by Mitsuru, Akihiko, and Shinji. I may have got that slightly wrong. Um, yeah, they were all involved together, and Shinji got involved. Like, his persona went berserk. And Shinji... See, no, 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 my... no, 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 you have it right. It was, it was Shinji... I have it right, don't I? It was Shinjiro, Akihiko, and... Shinjiro. Well, no, they, they all call him Shinji, but his full name is Shinji. Yeah. They, uh, they were all in, in seas together. They were uh, fighting shadows and trying to save the world together. But then Shinji lost control of, of his persona yeah. and killed an innocent bystander during a mission, which had him leave the group. Exactly, and uh, Akihiko spent a lot of time trying to get Shinjiro to come back to Seas, and Shinjiro basically has been taking these, I think we'll dive into it later when we talk about, if we do talk about the villains, villain, villains. Um, yes, please. Yes, I'd like to talk about Strega. <laughs> um, but he takes these persona-suppressing drugs because he is scared that he'll lose control, and so Akihiko spends a lot of the time, there are points in the plot where he wanders off, and you're just... At this point, I was kind of doing my typical kind of, oh, hang on a minute, it's Liam O'Brien. Like, I don't trust you for a little bit. And then he comes back with Shinji, and basically it kind of kickstarts his development a little bit. I his, I know 
in P3P, the PSP version of the game. He's obviously romanceable, and a lot of his stuff can't be done until after the 4th of October, which is when Shinjiro dies. Um, I just really, I've not summarized myself very well at all. I've completely gone off the ball with Akihiko because <laughs> I just really, there was something about him that I really liked. I think it was because he was kind of the cool middle ground of the group. In He's a, a stud. Yeah, he is he's, 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 sort of, he's sort of the cool senpai character. Exactly. Um, and it was quite nice to have that in a group because he's, say, I, I, I prefer playing as adults generally in RPGs, I guess. Um, but he's like the, he's as adult as you probably get in the group. And along with Mitsuru, I also really like his, his uh, lightning affinity, I think. He's ju- I just really like him. I need to replay this game and remind myself. I agree. Akihiko is really cool. He's he's useful in battle, and he's a he's like a stabilizing presence in your party. And uh, your comment about adults versus teenagers, I also usually prefer playing as adults over teenagers in RPGs. But I think that in the Persona games, the groups of teenagers are pretty special, or at least exceptions to the rule. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because like sort of the whole the high school setting and the high school life being a big part of the game. I think is uh, basically makes it okay to be spending so much time with virtual high schoolers in a video game. When when a lot yeah. of the time, when a lot of the time I get annoyed or frustrated by children and teenagers in RPGs. But uh, I mean, in Persona Three, I'm actually I actually my least favorite character by far is the elementary school kid that joins your team, Ken. <laughs> oh, why is he there? I don't know. Well, yeah, I think his, his um his subplot with Akihiko and Shinjiro with uh with, yeah. which, which which you alluded to, Alana, where uh. Um, the, the woman that uh, Shinjiro killed when his persona went berserk was Ken's mother, and Ken has this uh, has this deep feeling of revenge. His persona is even called Nemesis, where mm. where uh, where he's trying to find out who killed his mother. He realized it was Shinjiro. He tries to confront Shinjiro to kill him. Uh, the Strega crew runs in and and uh, are about to shoot Ken, but Shinjiro dies instead. And yeah, and Shinjiro's death. And Ken's, you know, willingness to forgive him, and Akihiko moving, uh, like getting over it, are what are, are the uh, the steps that both of them take to, you know, to overcome their weaknesses and uh, and have their personas literally transform as they transform as humans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is that subplot is, it works out to be okay, but it doesn't make Ken any less annoying. No, I do like the way that Akihiko and Ken have this kind of, like, bond. Ken also has a bond with Kuromaru, so he gets a bit of a buy, but I don't think, like, I don't, I didn't use him. I never used him. He was the only character I don't think I used in my party once, and... He's a worse healer than Yukari, and a worse lightning user than Akihiko. <laughs> exactly, it's not, and... It's not worth using him. And I use both of them. He doesn't even get a uh, an evoker animation. I guess that would be crossing a line, really. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's very true. But no, I I think that I actually overall the kids in this game, and maybe another reason why I prefer three more than four is because they do have an overall more mature feel to them, I guess. So Robert, uh, do you have a favorite character in the cast and or a favorite subplot that you uh, want to go over a little bit? Uh, um, I I to have quite an affinity towards Akihiko. Um, I think maybe my f- favorite party member would be Mitsuru, because she's, you know, this sort of no-nonsense um, upperclassman who 
she's quite intimidating and it's like ooh, well i quite like to impress her yeah, um but she rides a she's a very good leader <laughs> yeah 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 um it, it, it's nice to see like the de facto leader of this organization to be uh to be a tough and and self-serious lady which you know you don't often see in this kind of fiction um so so i i found her very um to be a very fun character to be around um a, a, a lot of my I don't know if I'd say favorite, but some of my more memorable characters are some of the so- social links you engage in. Um, right. Particularly, uh, Bebe. Oh, yeah, the uh, the French foreign exchange student. Yeah, the one who, like, he, he uses the language all wrong. So he, he's constantly addressing you with the honorific Sama, which is used for, like, the emperor and god. Um, and he's he's just, he's so enthusiastic about, you know, he wants to to make his cool designs, and he wants you to try them out, and and sort of you know be a friend and kind of a cheerleader to him. Um, I remember him being very memorable. I enjoyed enjoyed hanging out with him quite a bit. Uh, and and the the older couple who run the the elders who run the bookshop as well, right. and, uh, and their, their story about the the tree that was planted of their their son who who died, who was a teacher at at um, Yasugami. No, Gekko Khan. Is it Yasuga? Oh, Gekko Khan. Yeah. Gekko Khan in Persona 3, Yasugami in Persona 4. Right. And uh, it's two high schools in Persona 2. Fake gamer guy. Yeah. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the fakest gamer guy. Don't don't take any of my fake knowledge as fact. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I like Persona. Uh, well, of course I like Persona. I like Mitsuru a lot as well. Um, every yeah. reason that you said, she's sort of cool and intimidating, but also, but but not not rude or mean and she's she's like she like hmm. Hiko she's like uh, she's just a very cool senpai no nonsense wants to get stuff done but she feels a lot of pressure since she's the the scion of a big uh, a big saibatsu or a giant you know corporation where she's ex- that she's expected to take over her social yeah. is dramatic as hell um in in the main version of P3 of Persona 3 not not the uh not the female protagonist route, but the uh, the original route of Persona Three. You, the only uh, social links among your playable characters are the women, which you can, hmm. which you know you can date and have romances with. There's I think five, yeah. there's five girls total that you can date, and three of them are your party members, uh, Fuka, Mitsuru, and Yukari. But in mm-hmm. in pers- in uh, Mitsuru's social link, she has to deal with an arranged marriage. And stand up. Oh yeah. Yeah, and stand up to the people that run her corporation, and uh, and and also like she goes out to, for ramen with you, and she's never and she's never had cheap food before because <laughs> she, <laughs> she's so aristocratic. And mm-hmm. so, so like parts of that, um, even though she's a completely ridiculous character on the surface, I mean she's like she's super rich, has a motorcycle, she has superpowers, she's uh, like sort of the perfect, like uh, the perfect high school girl kind of stereotype. She's this impossible character that seems very human when you engage with her on her uh, on her social link. I, I think she's my favorite female character in the game for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I like how she clashes with Yukari because it it, mm. it seemed like a genuine relationship between two girls. Like in 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 high school, two girls that aren't friends maybe will dislike each other for petty reasons and not be able to get along for reasons just because just because like uh teenage girls have different kinds of friend relationships than teenage guys do. And so, uh, like, watching Mitsuru and Yukari be sort of slightly 
uh, jealous and disliking each other in a way because like uh, first of all Yukari blames uh, Mitsuru's corporation for the death of her father since Yukari's father was a scientist that worked in the Kiryujo group um, but like the way that when you see them individually how Mitsuru will be like man how does Yukari be so stylish and make everything look cute and Yukari's like man how why is Mitsuru so perfect and them having this mm. this petty jealousy at each other that they eventually overcome and become close friends that, that seemed a little bit more like a real relationship between two, nage, two teenage girls than I've seen in a lot of games. I couldn't really say <laughs> myself. <laughs> I wonder if Alana can uh, can weigh in on that. Oh, well, I'm not. Re- I, I I mean, I'm not really the right female to ask. I would say, um, well, but just seeing them in the game reminded me of how my sister would be very catty, like, alternatively very catty and very positive about her different female friends in school. And it's like, this feels more like a relationship between two women than a lot of other stuff I've seen in the game. <laughs> the way you've yeah. described it just kind of reminds me of, I don't know, like, being 18 and going to goth clubs and meeting people like that. <laughs> so, but... <laughs> yeah, I think so. Although, um, but, but if I have a favorite playable character, for obvious reasons, it's Koromaru, the, uh, the, the, yeah. Shiba, the Shiba Inu that joins you, who's just the best. He's an excellent video game dog, as we he's, talked about last week. He's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good dog. He's a good dog. Jumping back to Yukari and um, Mitsuru, I suppose they are quite realistic, but what I really like about Yukari, I, Yukari is probably my favorite female character in the game, and mm. that she is almost like the anime trope of kind of the stylish, popular girl, but actually she is really not that and even though she's got the obvious insecurity kind of like i'm outwardly confident but inwardly really not and have lots of problems she's really she develops really well and i remember look thinking oh i don't know whether i'll like her because she's kind of just a bit sporty and a bit like i don't know her banter with junpei kind of i, I don't particularly <laughs> like Jun- to junpei St- she is junpei Stupé, exactly. And, uh, I'm not and, really a massive fan of Stupé either. But, and, um... and quick aside, um, one reason why I don't love the uh, the the answer portion of Persona 4, Three, which is the uh, the small sort of sequel that's included in the Fest version of the game, is like they turn up Yukari's meanness to eleven. They destroy her character pretty much, don't yeah. they? I... Yeah like, Remember like, yeah, like, she starts out a little rude to Junpei, but just sort of eventually just softening towards everyone in the game in Persona 3, and she is just yeah. awful to everyone in in the answer portion. Yeah, it's supposed to be a way of hiding the fact that she misses the protagonist, but yeah, it's not very well done at all. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but it also, in Persona 4 Arena... She becomes an actress for the an actress for the Pink Ranger in Persona in the, in the Persona's uni, uh, in the Persona Universe's version of Power Rangers. So of, of course I like Yukari. Of course I do. She gets bonus points for being an archer as well. I've got a soft spot for archers. Cool. Hmm. Um, Mitsuru is again. She's the of Akiko. She fills the same role as he does, but she is kind of like the group leader essentially. Um, I like how. Again, this is the same with all the characters. They're like outwardly one thing and inwardly the other. So Persona 3, and again, another reason why I like 3 more than I like 4 is because more of the characters in 3 are outwardly something. They're like anime tropes, but then inwardly, then they're like either the opposite or they Mm. have some big problem that kind of inverts those tropes slightly. I know they're more tropey than 
perhaps some of the earlier characters in other games, but and especially like less tropey maybe than four. But Mitsuru in particular, she's easily likable. Like she's the super smart woman who's really powerful and really cool, but she has a lot to hide from the rest of the group. With she, won't, the... she won't even let you uh, walk her home until you're the smartest person in the school. Yeah, really. It's kind of. I can't be seen with this dweeb. No. <laughs> um, but she's intimidating. And when I think it's the first time you kind of let on is when you go to the beach with everybody and her, the resort her father owns, I believe. And she has to start like mentioning things or bringing things up. Or she starts digging up things that she realizes and she comes to term with, terms with is that basically a lot of the game's problems and a lot of the problems that come up are the result of her father and the Courageo group and other people in the Courageo group who have started all of the mess, basically, with the Shadows, uh, I guess, and Ryuji, um, and Nyx, of course, consequently. Um, but Sarah's just really cool, really likeable. She's kind of like, if you're a teenage boy, a typical teenage boy, and you see Yukari, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, like, this is a goal kind of thing, which is a sad thing to say, but I really like her. She's... I like the adult, older characters in this game a lot. They're really nice. Like, a nice foundation for the rest of the group. And it's nice to see all the other characters grow into that as well, eventually, into kind of the mature, taking the baton semi off of the uh, originating Seas members. Hmm. She's um she's student body president, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She kind of, like, the way that we've spoken about her, it's kind of made me realize that she's kind of like a, a recontextualization recontextualization as like a humanized hero version of kind of the uh the the evil student body president that you'd see in, in manga like ranma or um particularly like revolutionary revolutionary girl utena right. yeah but i know who you yeah, mean yeah but you know a rare a, a rare likable and and um more in-depth version of that archetype yeah, yeah she's, she's like definitely a, she's like an exaggerated version of an sort of a what you might call an ojo sama in a in one of these in one of those manga mm. anime yeah where she's she's just like this this perfect student who is who is wealthy and intelligent and oh. rule and rules the school and is admired by everyone but instead of being a villain that is opposing the out the outsider protagonist she's you know supportive and nice she's yeah she's like a good she version is. of biko, biko from project Aiko, who had like the, the <laughs> oh. big the, she had the big um, super techno corporation behind her as well. But, she did. You know, right. That's usually that's usually a big negative. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is here, but she overcomes it. So yeah, we like we like Mitsuru a lot. And uh, Robert went into uh, talking about a couple of the NPC social links, the old couple and Bebe, the the French exchange student. But um, Alana, yes. do you have a favorite uh, or uh, one or two NPC social links that you talk to? Oh. I have a couple of memorable ones. I mean, I'm not going to go into the death one. I think we'll go into that maybe if we bring up Ryuji, because that's with us. I I have a couple too, but I want you to go first. Okay, so I'm going to bring in the Persona 2 link, and this is the most I know about Persona 2, and this is the Hermit social link. So you start, I think it's one of the first um, social links you can actually start, so you get an, uh, an old game from Junpei called Innocent Sin Online, which is clearly a reference to 
a previous title we've already discussed. Mm. And every Sunday or every holiday, you can play Innocent Sim online and interact with a character called Maya. And, and, um, and, and yeah, you play Tatsuya and the other character yeah. is Maya, and those are the two yeah. main characters of, Persona, of the Persona 2 duology, right? In the Japanese yeah. version, it's um, it's Shin Megami Tensei 1 online. Oh. So she's playing... <laughs> I think she's, I think she's, she's Lilith and you're uh, Aleph, I think, in, okay. in, in the Japanese. Okay. So. Well, uh-huh. I mean, either way, it's a neat, it's a neat reference to old SMT, old Atlas games. Mm, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, I do really like this one. I think it's really quite cute in that it's one... I don't remember, is there one similar on Persona 4? Or is the is they generally all face-to-face, aren't they, I think, um, in Persona 4? Yeah, they're all... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, too. Uh, there's nothing like this in Persona 4, no. They're, uh, they're all face-to-face with another character that you know, yeah. that you know for, the whole, for the whole time. Yeah, I think it's it's the most unique, I think, in the game, and that you're not talking directly to another character. And I really like the end of it. So as you play further along, you do find out that it's somebody that you do know. And it is, it's the teacher, isn't it? It's your, one of the teachers at school, yeah. if I it's remember the, correctly. It's, it's the homeroom teacher who also It teaches, is the homeroom teacher. Who also teaches composition, which is basically a word for uh, grammar and language, language and grammar. That's right, yeah. Like that movie, Me and You and Everyone You Know, but without the moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like that I couldn't figure out, and I, I didn't figure out for a long time that it was your homeroom teacher. There is some sort of hint towards the end of the social link that I can't quite remember. Unfortunately, you don't. It's probably it's probably one of the easier ones to do and probably one of the less rewarding ones to do, so I think you get like a low level 60 persona at the end of it. Um Whereas in other ones you can get like much stronger and higher ones, but I think it gets it deserves a mention because one it refers to the older games and two it's more unique. The other one that always sticks out, mainly because I find it quite amusing, is the tower. If, um, uh, yeah. I never met him. I always I wanted love, to. I could never find oh, him. I love. No. The okay, well, I the, love. The, he's a little hard to find because you need yeah. to get, you need to get one of the dating personas, uh, Yuko Yuko the strength persona. Up to uh, up to level three or four, and then she mentions seeing this weird. Right. Then she mentions seeing a weird monk at a club. Yeah. You got to go find the weird monk at a club, and you can't talk to him unless your courage is at, I I don't know, rank four. I think maybe maybe yeah. Four. So he he's one have... of the he's one of the hardest, to, and then you have to win a mini game to start talking to him. So he's one of the hardest <laughs> one of the hardest social links to start. But he's also one of my favorites. Let's talk, let's talk about yeah. Him. Definitely. Oh, it's one of the ones I maxed out, actually, so I'm quite surprised that he was quite difficult. I think I was just determined to be like, I'm a 16-year-old in a club, I just want to break <laughs> some rules kind of thing. But Mutatsu, I think his name is, so he's like a really, he's a monk, he's a cynical, kind of depressed man. He's a hard um, drinking, hard smoking he's a, monk. Oh yeah, he is, definitely. Um, like yeah, swearing. <laughs> um. But no, it's quite. It's not so quite amusing. But actually, when you dig down to it, it's um, he has a wife and a son who he does really love, and he has like a behavior coping mechanism. I just think it's a really nice, bizarre little lit social link. It's one of the later ones you can get, isn't it? So you can't get it for quite a while. Or I didn't get it until maybe October. I don't think I started it until um, I just think it was quite again for the same reason that I really like uh Maya. I really this one's just kind of stands out as unique, whereas all the others are like, oh, this is your school friend. I really like the old couple in the bookshop as well. They're one of my favorites, which we've already talked about. Um, I like all the ones that are outside of school because it's oh. like you're broadening your kind of you know, 
Sure, but, but it's like actual proper social aspects. So like you are getting broadening your horizons as a person, as a teenager, rather than just like, oh, I've got another school friend. Let's go to swimming club. Let's go to art club or cooking club or whatever else. Um, let's go hang out with scumbags like Tanaka. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Tanaka's another good one. Tanaka is another good one. But Matatsu, I, it just sticks out for being quite memorable because he does essentially try to like teach you and basically mocks you. So if you pick like a wrong answer, he will just kind of slay you a little bit. Um, I want to hear why Mike likes it though, because he probably like I think you probably got more of a fondness for it than I have. I just remember Maybe. it for being really I, I unique. But it, go it for is it. Unique. It is unique, and I um because you know I obsess over weird mechanics about RPGs. I, I I like Mitatsu and Tanaka particularly because they're the only two Persona links, uh, um, optional social links that uh you can do at night which gives mm. you a lot of opportunity to do them and gives you much more interesting things to do at night. Because uh, maybe, yeah. maybe we mentioned this earlier, but in Persona, in the flow of the game, there's basically two phases or three phases of the day. First you go to school, then you have your afternoon activity, then you have your night, your evening activity. And yeah. in, in the evening you can go fight demons and shadows, or you can go study, or you can talk to the, two, the only two night social links, one of which is Mutatsu. So even yeah. the Muntatsu one's really convoluted to start, and you have to do, like, four things before you're allowed to meet him. He's one of the easier ones to finish because there are there are so few things to do at night other than study or fight demons or talk to the old monk in the club. But I, I really like like him. He's, his social link's more, uh, really convoluted. You alluded to it a bit, Alana, that uh, sometimes he... He, he wants uh, you to agree with his extremely cynical dark word worldview. <laughs> Sometimes he's drunk and thinks you're his son, and and uh, the way yeah. to get the most points is to play along with that. But uh, you eventually oh. you eventually learn that this is an an old monk who really misses his estranged wife and son, but uh, also but and uh, but also doesn't take his work very seriously, but um, appreciates that <laughs> how people gain strength from. When he bless when he blesses someone's wedding or or someone's built home or something, so he's, yeah. he's a slightly complicated old monk character, and I, I think one of the most fun social links in the game. I I, I always recommend uh, mm. hanging out with Yuko five times just to unlock the Mutatsu social link. <laughs> you know, I don't think is, she, is she like the is she sort of the the tanned uh, Yamanba girl? Uh, yeah, she I think yeah. she's the sporty tanned girl. That's the uh, she's the manager. She's not the delinquent. No. Okay. There's only a delinquent girl in Persona 4. Oh, I'm mixing them up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, <laughs> the moon social link, I, I, is a delinquent in Persona 4, but there's no delinquents yeah. that you can date in Persona 3. Okay. Um, and, and Yuko's the manager of whatever sports team uh, you pick, but I think it's supposed to be track because in her social link you teach a bunch of kids how to run. <laughs> so I think, I, think, I think the canon choice is track in Persona 3, but that, that's not important. <laughs> um, let me backtrack a little bit and talk about maybe my least favorite social link <laughs> and that's your stupid dweeby friend you meet at the first day of school kenji i kind of like that one. Oh yeah i kind of like i don't like this guy he's he's just yeah he's super, unlikable but you know, he, he, he's just really annoying and has a crush on his teacher and gets sad when he tries to ask your teacher out but she's engaged it's like it's like come on dude <laughs> this is just oh, oh yeah maybe i'm remembering it wrong doesn't she take advantage of him a little bit. She sort of leads yeah, him on. Yeah, she's a, just a little bit. Yeah, she sort of leads him on hmm. a little bit. But, I mean, it takes, like, 
five days of hanging out with him just before he asks her out. And then he, uh, but then I, it, it gives the impression that the teacher kind of likes the attention but isn't taking it seriously at all. And uh, Kenji's just crushed when he learns that, uh, that she's engaged to, to an adult. But mm. I just found him so annoying and frustrating. When, and uh, it's like, man, why can't I hang out with Akihiko or Shinjiro or Wak Kuramaru instead of, and instead of to hang out with this idiot? You can hang out with Kuramaru. You don't need a social link for Kuramaru. That's true. Sh- you you yeah. can take him from walks, but only in the Fest version. And he's a social link in the female protagonist uh, route in Persona 3 Portable. Yeah, I don't want to date anybody. I just want to walk the dog, to be honest. So, <laughs> dating Akihiko and Shinjiro is fun in that game, but uh, the, really, I, yeah, I don't like the Ken social link in that one. The, the one other social link, no, non, uh, the NPC social link I want to talk about is the Sun social link, which is a uh, another one that's a little convoluted to find. You have to uh, get the oh, oh yeah, this one is. Yeah, you have to you have to get the hanged man social link up to a certain level, and that's the, yeah. that's the little girl. And then you meet, re- this, and then you meet this guy in the park who is, has a terminal disease and he's dying. And every time you talk to him, and you can only do it on Sundays, so it's a little it's a little tricky to finish it if you, yeah. if you unlock it too late. He basically is coming to terms with his own mortality and uh, writing an extremely dark children's picture book. <laughs> that's that's interesting to hear about, but it's um it's one of the most serious and most interesting conversations that you have in the game. I, I, it, the, the guy's name is Kamiki. I just had to. I just had to look it up because I, I couldn't remember it. But yeah, I, I really like the Sun Persona social link. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. That one's really sad. I I really like the little girl social link as well. So I I think yeah, I like nice. tied the two together. Um, but yeah, it was really horrible. Am I right in thinking that he's not there on the last one, and that's how it kind of ends, and that you assume that he's died, or somebody's there, and they tell you that he's died? In, or... the, in the epilogue, if you go there, you meet his mother, and his mother, that's right. And his mother thanks you for being such a good friend to him, and it turns yeah. out, he get, and he gets his his book published, and his yeah. book gets, and his book gets mentioned by a couple characters in Persona Four. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I think Kanji mentions reading it. If I oh, I'd have to I'd have to double check with that though. That was another one I maxed out. I think I did Hermit and then use Sunday to do Sun, so it fell quite nicely. That's a good plan. Both of those are really good ones. Yeah. So we've really exhausted talking about most of the of the major characters <laughs> in Persona Three. Uh, we haven't quite talked about the villains yet. We haven't talked yeah. about Tartarus yet. We have uh, not talked about yeah. Tartarus. So a lot of people didn't like it. But... Um, mm. I have a little bit of problem. I have a bit of a problem with how it's implemented gameplay-wise, but I, I like the concept of it in the story in general. Let, let's let's take a step back. Tart, yeah. um, the Dark Hour, which we've talked about, which we've mentioned, is a special time at from mid. That's an hour stu- stuck in between midnight and twelve oh one, which only some people experience. When the Dark Hour happens, the entire world is tinted green. And uh, monsters called shadows prowl around, and every any human that's awake during the dark hour becomes a coffin that just that rules. Stand, that that just that just stands there, uh, you know, just hover, just you know, placed there. It's 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 a, it's a pretty dark, gothic, cool look. The dark hour, but some people that are you know some level of woke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do, like are, are not, do not turn into coffins during the dark hour. And have the ability to to either um, fight or be defeated by shadows. And and sh- and uh, 
the main characters of the game all have that that power and eventually use these devices called evokers, which are which resemble guns that you shoot yourself with. Or a collar. Yeah, or or a collar if it's a, if it's an evoker for dogs. <laughs> that they uh, <laughs> you, uh, people that are woke uh, can use evokers to unleash their persona, which is a demon-like being that can bat that can fight shadows. And of course, all of the main cast uh, can use personas, and and they try to stop the shadow dark hour phenomenon by going to Tartarus, which is a an extremely ominous, creepy, gigantic tower that replaces the uh, the location of Gekkokan High School during the dark hour. So throughout the game, you spend your evenings at the player's at the player's direction, um, going up Tartarus and fighting shadows there, and getting to certain breakpoints in Tartarus to try to discover the mystery of it. And on every full moon, which is, you know, every 28 or 29 days, there's a, a giant shadow that attacks the city as part of the story, and, uh, and, you're, and the, the, the player mandatorily has to go and confront that shadow. So Tartarus, exploring Tartarus happens at the player's own direction, but you should do it at least a little bit so you're strong enough to fight the story bosses as they happen once a month. My problem with Tartarus isn't what it is, or how it fits into the story, because it, 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 you don't really understand its story role until the very end of the game. It's a, it's a, it's very much a mystery for the first shoot, for the first like seventy percent of the story or so. Instead of having um, dungeons attached to plot points or attached to characters, like in Persona Four, Tartarus is just sort of an ever-present thing that's there, and uh, and your your teammates encourage you on 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 the evenings. Hey, let's go explore Tartarus tonight. Hey, let's go train in Tartarus tonight. But they, they don't. You don't really have a reason for doing so. You can't, don't have a, a a reason grounded in the story or gameplay to do so until. Well, you're trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, but yeah. I I sort of wish there was, if not more explanation, uh, at least more of a thrust to Tartarus, that I that um, I think is a weakness of Persona Three. I liked it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm Alana, like... you go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I like kind of like it. I mean, I think. If we're going to talk about it from a dungeon perspective, yes, I do prefer slightly the dungeons in Persona 4 because they are more varied. They fit the story like you've suggested. Like, they fit the individual arcs. But Persona 3's Tartarus is kind of an overriding, overbearing figure in the entire game. And you are trying to uncover it throughout the course of the game. And the further up you get, the weirder it gets. I was wondering, like, the Disco Force, which must be, like, 150 for, like, 200. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, like, completely acid, like, psychedelic. But um, I do really like the Tartarus, and I like how kind of slowly you uncover it. Like, it is a strange, like, it's pretty basic in terms of what it is. Like, it's just the school. It's the school and the dark hour. It's a massive tower. But it's it, the Kajiro group has, the Kajiro group, whatever, um, they've stuck it there, or it's come out of something that they've done. There was an experiment in the, uh, in the space where the high school is now by a team sponsored by Mitsuru's grandfather. Yeah. And uh, and it's implied, but not said outright, that um, one of the demons from Persona 2, uh, Nyarlahotep, was influencing Mitsuru's grandfather into doing these experiments. But that's, <laughs> but that's, that, that's not 100% nailed down. It's just, uh, it's just implied. And so th- the whole weird experiment set loose all of the giant shadow monsters that you fight every full moon and uh and after the experiment failed and there was an explosion and yukari's father died 
then the dark hour started happening and Tartarus would rise every day at midnight um, yeah. replacing the high school. And 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 you're <laughs> right. I, I like I don't mind what it is or how it sort of looms over the entire story. I just think it's implementation of when and how you explore it versus having personalized dungeons isn't as it's it I I don't love that part of it. And it, and it contributes to why I ultimately like Persona 4 more than 3. When we went off on our, our brief uh, sting tangent, uh, when we recorded our Psych and Densets episode, um, I, I ex- expressed my love of the game Baroque. Um, so a- any game that has a um, sort yeah. of m- mysterious and spooky tower for you to um, ascend, <laughs> um, I have a soft spot for. So Tartarus yeah. takes you're also, a lot of boxes for me. You're also a big East fan, aren't you? I am, yeah. Oh, the Tower cool. of Garm is just amazing. It is cool. <laughs> oh, there you go then. Um, so your progress through Tartarus is it's basically gated depending on where you are in the plot. Like you can only get so far in each, I'd say, month or so. Um, but each time you access a new area, I mean, you know, you're given this new biome. Like, you know, for example, like Alana mentioned, the the disco floors, um, which. Are, are my personal favorite, but and each time you go up a floor, um, another another um, another individual track on the song comes in, and you know eventually this sort of that. minimalist minimalist kind of industrial ambient track sort of uh, kind of booms into like this very kind of dramatic feeling, sort of epic. The higher that you get, um, and that that you know that that flicked a switch in my brain somewhere. It yeah, made ascending very pleasurable. It's also I like cool that. that your um your support character Fuka lets you change the music at your own, at uh if you want. So you, and uh, and the music that she has comes from Persona One and Two. Oh, huh. really? What is this? What is this is in, in, no, in Fez or no? It's in Fez and and portable, but not the original. I think you have to. Press, okay. You you press square when you're exploring Tartarus, which is the yeah. call the call Fuka button. And uh, and mention you want to change the music and and one of them is a uh, a very nice remix of Maya's theme from Persona Two, so I, oh. I sometimes went through the Tartarus playing that. Because I never played Fez and I only got halfway through Portable, so Fuka's I'll have to te- give it a yeah. Fuka's a techie girl and her uh, her persona is sort of like a control panel that she can that that she like helps you explore Tartarus and, and improves your mapping and stuff as you go through. So it's, mm. it's pretty cool that she can you know play DJ a little bit and change the <laughs> pretty much and I love that speaking, yeah. I, I, speaking of the music I think Persona 3's soundtrack is a little unlike any other RPG I had played at that time oh yeah I mean, I mean how many other RPGs before then incorporate pop and hip hop and weird Japanese English into the soundtrack than that I mean may- maybe you have a good counter example but I certainly can't think of I know that there's another example, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But I, I was ah. To, to me, the signature Persona Three song is the uh, um, uh, the, the main oh. battle track. Baby, 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 <laughs> baby, baby, baby. <laughs> Mommy's not here. Gonna fight all night. That, that's you know a, a, a very brassy uh, uh, rap by um, oh, what's his name? Is that Lotus Juice? Lotus Juice, yeah. Lotus Juice, a very, a very yeah. Bra- uh, a really brassy hook, fun bass-heavy beat with Lotus Juice rapping nonsense over it. It's I. It's great. It's great. It's entertaining to listen to either on its own and in battle. And I don't. I can't think of any other RPG that had you know a, a key track like that in it. It's. It was a bit of a well, shock to me, and I kind of love it. It was. You can see its influence now. I mean, I oh, guess yeah. the most oh, obvious, yeah. like 
Xenoblade Chronicles X, but also um, uh, the Final Fantasy XIII and its sequels. They they started introducing the vocal tracks then, so it's something that we're seeing yeah. more and more of. But well, vocal it was tracks, sure, but like, but um, but, but vocal tracks just like when you're walking around town or fighting but, that wasn't yeah. really seen before. I mean, I mean, just energetic hip hop and, and hmm. like, j- weird Japanese hip hop as a key battle track is something totally new to me and um yeah. and the, a lot of yeah. very a, a very uh very pleasant um uh folk, folk, pop vocal tracks are from are most of the town music and a lot of those are great too but yeah, are, yeah. um soundtrack is very eclectic and fun and uh, like you said influential i totally agree hmm. i like it a lot it's fitting isn't it for a kind of um off port it's a port island and Sometimes it's a little bit, you know, someone walking around any city or any light port. It, there's quiet areas. There's areas that are graffitied up. There are posters. You know, you've got, like, Persona 3 is a nice soundtrack to listen to when you're walking through a really busy city, I think. I really yeah. like, like, the particular track that always sticks in my mind is the music that plays in the dorm. I think it's Iwatonai Station. <laughs> I love that piece. I love That's it. It's probably my favorite so piece stupid. in the game. Yeah. Um, there are some really cool, like, I really particularly like the final boss theme as well. I mean, it's a really cool remix of the Velvet Room theme. Right. Mm. With some nice choir in it. Called, as well. I, think, I think it's called uh, Ballad the for Battle Every- for Ever- The Battle for Everyone's Souls, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. they, and they also incorporate the uh, the opening, um, one of the opening tracks. Uh, shoot, why can't I think Burn of My Dread? Yeah, yeah, Bur- Burn My yeah. Dread into the, into it does. the battle track as well. Bur- the, a different version of Burn My Dread is the opening cutscene song in, in Fess. Not, hmm. not, not a, I like that. Persona 3, but in Fest. With some Lotus Juice rapping as well. Indeed. Um, More Lotus Juice. <laughs> uh, they, they change a couple of the tracks between Vanilla Persona 3 and Fess and uh, the the girls' route in Persona 3 Portable. And one of my favorite mm. pop tracks in it is uh, the day to day school song in the girl route. It's called Way of Life. And it's it's okay. it's so pretty and cute. And it replaces, <laughs> it replaces one of the. Um, one of the pop tracks that you hear at school all the time. So it was that that was a pleasant change when I uh, when I replayed the game on uh, on portable. But it, the whole soundtrack is super interesting and definitely worth listening to, even if you don't want to play Persona Three for eighty hours. Yeah, I like how they continue the theme. So three is mostly hip hop, uh, four is probably more pop, and yeah. five mm-hmm. is acid jazz. So you can't really. Get I can wrong. vibe with that. I can vibe with that. And um. Quick aside to a different Persona spinoff, Persona Q, the dungeon crawler 3DS game, which is the I think the only Persona game that's out on a on a Nintendo system. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. At the very beginning, you choose whether you want to have Persona 3 as the main team or Persona 4 as the main team, and they all join you eventually. But you have to pick one at the beginning, and depending on which one you pick, you get a different remix of the battle theme as you play through the whole game. And oh, really? It, okay. It, it, oh. Yeah, yeah. The song is called. Um, light the fire into in the night i think i might be getting one of the prepositions wrong on that but uh the p3 remix of it is a little bit harsher with more uh with more guitar and sort of a uh a sort of a heavier drum in it lotus juice raps in both versions but uh <laughs> but but the hook is a little harsher and darker and has the burn my dread vocalist on it and the uh the persona 4 version is has more brass is a little bit poppier and peppier and instead of and has the uh uh it has the opening video Persona 4 main vocalist on it. And okay. It's, it's really it, it's really fun listening to those two versions of uh, Light My Fire Up, Up in the Night 
and just because each of them try to convey the tone of Persona 3 versus Persona 4, and it's it's just great. <laughs> I, love no, I, I haven't I played Q yet. Games. No, neither have I. Q gets rough, especially towards the end, and the characterization it, for both the P3 cast and the P4 cast is weak. But That's as, what's turning me off. As, <laughs> yeah, as a, dungeon, as a dungeon crawler, it's all right. And I, um, even though it was, it got you know challenging, and because I, I had never played an Etrian Odyssey game before, I was I, it was uh, a bit of a struggle getting through the the last thirty percent of that game or so. But I did finish it, and I really liked the music and a lot of the atmosphere of that game. Hmm. So maybe we should talk about Persona Three some more. All right, we were going to branch off to the villains, weren't we? So we started on Tartarus then. Right. We should go to Strega, so I think we will go with that. I think Robert seems to voice, voice some interest in Strega. Um, I think Strega is a very, very smart move. Um, when you have a story with these, you know, these uh, heroes that have these special powers and can move around at night, you know, it only stands to reason that there should be, you know, a group with uh, the same or similar powers but with a different set of ideals and. Uh, Borscht is walking on, the, on my keyboard. Hopefully he's not going to disconnect us. Okay, he's fine. Um, <laughs> again, again, again Sorry, uh, folks. regular podcasters may know this. Borscht is his cat. Uh, so it's... <laughs> coming back from that, um, <laughs> it, it's fun to see this this group that, you know, they, they're kind of... They're using their powers um, for no good. They're, they've kind of got, you know... Uh, Kind of like hedonism as well as nihilism, um, combining with with their uh, own um, angst and understanding of of this power that they're they're wielding, and it's it's not something that's really seen in the series. I mean, the, the earlier Persona games they had some villains who were wielding personas, but it wasn't really talked about in the same way that that it's talked about with uh, with Strega and Persona Three, and it's it wasn't really brought back for four, so. Well, yeah, I mean, that was me very ineloquently talking about why I think Strega are interesting. <laughs> I like them as well. They are interesting. They they feel a little out of place at first. Like, what are these guys doing? They're, uh... Yeah. They, uh... At first, they oppose you because, um... They, they, they think you're trying to eliminate the Dark Hour and eliminate all Persona powers, and they don't... And they like using their powers for, you know, hedonistic or nihilistic reasons. So they, uh... You fight them a couple times. It's, it's three teenagers, one of whom is shirtless fake Jesus, and the other two who are one, <laughs> one, one's dressed as a lolly goth girl, and the other guy just holds a grenade for no reason all the time. Jin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember all their names, but uh, but then they it takes a bit of a turn when you defeat all of the full moon monsters, and uh, the the stakes of the story change a little bit. They 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 decide to start welcoming the end of the world that's impending. And, yeah. uh, and and become these cultist leaders, which we talked about a little bit before. I I think mm. they're interesting villains. Um, I wish they were a little bit more present because you only see them once. Yeah. Month, which is which is yeah. like every, once every eight hours or so, and it's uh, you don't even really like they don't even really become antagonists until maybe halfway through either. Yeah. So, but um, but, but they're they're interesting characters, and I and I don't dislike their role in the story. Perhaps the only one who gets more than perhaps more attention is Chidori and that is by ways of um, Junpei and his relationship with her. Yeah, which... we, haven't, we haven't really talked about Junpei yet and, and that's his major su- uh, subplot. Yeah, um, but then I say I like Strager a lot. I like the way that they kind of... They almost do a kind of 
death note in that they build up an entire cult digitally, don't they? They do it online. A lot of their work is done online, I believe. Mm. And they're also, what we didn't mention is that they're artificial persona users. So they are products of the Kirija group. Um, they're the drugs that they're given is the same drugs that Shinjiro gets and is supplied by um, Shuji Akutsuki, um, who also, I believe, works for... Um, yes, he does. Oh, yeah, he's the... The um, director of Gekkan High School. Yeah, That's right. He's, he's the, the he's, he's the, the advisor. Yeah, he's the advisor to the C's group for most of the game until he takes a bit of a character turn around the three quarters oh, mark. I remember thinking he was shady the whole way through, and then <laughs> remember getting excited when he was yeah. shady. But, um, those buns. Oh no! Yeah, pretty much. Um, so they set up a lot of the issues. Like I said, I think the first time they pop up, really, the most important time they pop up is when you capture Chidori and then they react by trying to get Ken and Shinjiro to basically turn on each other. And then they sort of kind of pop up a little bit more on and on from there. They kind of disappear after that and then reappear in the secret month of January um, where they basically are waiting for you at the top of the tower, the two two remaining members, because Chidori is hospitalized or dead at this point. Um, So I, I think the minute they turned up, I knew that when... Somebody who turns up like who looks a little bit like Jesus, or like the supposed image of Jesus turns up. It's just always a little bit like, sure something's going to go wrong, or I'm sure something is not right about this. Uh, <laughs> I like compared to um, oh, this is where I'm going to sound like a terrible person. Um, compared to Persona okay. Four, I cannot stand the villain of Persona Four, and I really dislike uh, that twist. I yeah. really do not like it. I, okay, I, I don't like him, but I, I like the twist and what, the, and what it's trying to accomplish. So I... Hmm. We're, we're going to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> I think there's a little bit too much of like evil for the sake of being evil in, yeah. in people that I didn't find as compelling as I did some of the previous uh, villains. But yeah. well, I don't I think, think he's... I don't think he's bad, per se. I, you know. I mean, he has an antisocial personality disorder, and when the main uh, villain of Persona 4 was talking about the candidates for Persona powers, she mentioned that he was uh, uh, full of emptiness. And, and like, that's, the, that's one of the things you read about serial killers, that they can't feel anything unless they're, unless they're killing or causing chaos. So yeah. it's, I mean, the main villain of Persona 4 is a, a sick bastard serial killer. And um, who manages? Oh, but to you know, he, to he gets redeemed. The game. <laughs> you know, I, I don't buy. I don't buy the redemption. He he gets he gets imprisoned, and then sends a message to give you a clue for the who the villain is, and that's the end of Persona Four. The, his redemption arc, quote unquote, in in the l- later Persona games, I I don't buy one percent. But uh, side games don't exist. <laughs> I, I, actually, I have a lot of affection for. Uh, for Persona 4 Arena in particular, oh. well, Persona Q and Persona 4 Arena, but I'm, I'm not going to defend the uh, the story stuff that they do. The fighting games are really fun. They do play really well. I, hmm. I really, really like the fighting games. <laughs> Even the reinterpretations of the Persona 3 cast, with uh, older Koromaru wearing a hoodie, and Mitsuru in that uh, fetching cat suit and mink coat. <laughs> and <laughs> Yukari as the pink ranger, and uh, Junpei as a, uh, as a, as baseball. a baseball coach. Yeah, he's, he's a little league coach. It's like, all, I am 100% Aww. on board with all of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Strager are a stronger um, antagonist group. 
overalls, like you, like Robert said, they are they're basically the opposite of you. So they want to they they don't want to lose the dark hour. They're using it for their own benefit, and they are they just want to do something different than you. Basically, they're a good group for um, opposition. Mm. Here, Borscht. Uh, yes, that was him. <laughs> he wants attention he's, he's, a little bit. Yeah, he's sitting here and staring at me. <laughs> but I do like the way that they um, go along with the kind of Ryuji's. Um, so Ryuji is a kid who turns up sort of midway through November. Um, he's just a transfer student. I like the way that they go along with his kind of, not his idea, but like the um, revival of Nyx, basically. I like the way that they use that for their own personal gain. Well, like just for the hell of it, almost. And also, it's an interesting thing. Both in Persona Three and Persona Four, the uh, your your protagonist is mostly silent, but you know says but does say things in battle. But the voice actor for the protagonist ends up being a traitor slash villain every time. In, in, at mm. least at least in those two cases, I don't I don't know if it's going to be like that in Persona Five, but the it's um, I do. It, it's an it's an interesting <laughs> choice, but the uh, um. The Ryuji character is really fascinating because uh, for the first 60% of the game or so, um, you're periodically visited by a mysterious child in striped pajamas. Yeah, Pharos. Pharos. And he uh, and he just is hint. He's he's a, he's a, a manifestation of the one of the hidden things in the protagonist. And then uh, when you defeat all of the uh, full moon bosses, he gains an, a full human form, and that's Ryuji. And uh, it's it's unclear at first, both to the player and to Ryuji and to Ryuji himself, that Ryuji is a harbinger of the of the goddess of the goddess of night from Greek myth, Nyx, who is a yeah. uh, you know is a, a representation of humanity's uh, you know you could say sense of nihilism or or the humanity's you know will of self destruction. She's kind of like a supernatural force of nature here. She's well, no, she is in Greek myth as well. I mean, Nyx isn't like mm. throned god gods or goddesses. She's a uh, she's a, like from the from oh shoot, Hesiod. What's it, what is it called? Hesiod's uh, 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 from Theogony. She's just a force mm-hmm. that uh, that, um, yeah. that brings uh, that you know brings life together, like chaos and Erebos and uh, and the non-Cupid version of Eros. So mm. like like Nyx is a is a representation of. Of sort of emptiness, and I think, and is the consort of either chaos or Erebus, I forget which. But yeah, it's it's a representation like Nick's the the apocalypse that's happening in Persona Three is Nick's descending on the world and uh, and and kill and you know ending humanity because of because they inter- uh, I think some interpretation of hu- of uh, humanity wanting to die. Am I, mm. am, I am I miss am I misremembering? That? No, I think that's right. That's pretty much right, I think. And uh, in it's not really Nyx's fault, and it's definitely not Ryuji's fault, which makes right. it such an interesting climax. And, yeah, and, and, and Ryuji is a, if anything, a a depressed, apologetic harbinger. When you speak to him on December third, and then he comes back on December thirty first, uh, uh, and you, the player makes a choice whether to either let the world end or fight the end of the world, and you get one guess as to which is the true ending. <laughs> it's funny that they let you choose. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But it's no, I, I think I think it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting choice that the developers make made to have a character like Ryuji, uh, who's this this unwilling harbinger of the end of the world, and Strega as a group that welcomes the end of the world. It's uh, it's it makes for a very dark, confusing, interesting last several hours of gameplay. 
and, and that um, when you talk to Ryuji, that's also when you uh, when you find the true purpose of Tartarus. Tartarus is where Nyx will first come down, and to confront Nyx, you have to get to the very top of Tartarus before January. What is it, 29th or 30th? I forget the exact date. 30... 31st. It might be 31st. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 31st. Okay, they don't do it. They don't do it by full moons anymore by then. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's it makes for a really cool end game, and if you're not prepared for that final final fight, you can get wrecked pretty hard. You really can. It's a really long one if you're not. Even if you are prepared, it's really long. He goes through. Uh, he goes through thirteen forms for the first thirteen arcana, ending on. Yeah, mm. yeah, he does. Um, it, it probably even if you're fully leveled up, it's probably gonna take you half an hour, like forty it's, minutes. Yeah, it's it's very cinematic. You really got it. Is level seventy five or so. It's a, which, is yeah. a lot, which is a lot of levels. It's a lot of time in Tartarus. That is a lot of time in Tartarus. It's weird. Monad. I like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you find Monad, the secret room in Tartarus, which happens if you defeat the wandering death boss, uh, yes. then then enemies give just stupid amounts of experience in in Monad. That that helps a lot. Yeah. To get to getting to the end, but um, whew, it, it it can be a pretty rough end game. Yeah, it can be. It's really good. I do like Nyx. I think what we meant. Like maybe briefly touched on is that um, Nyx is basically the we are the characters are responsible for arriving Nyx. So the twelve shadows in the mid in the night that you've been killing are all separate parts of Nyx. Right. And so as you've killed them all, uh, you've basically released the seal on death, which is why Yuji pops up after um, the final social link with Faros. And yeah, so yeah, he Faros is. Faros is a social link that happens naturally throughout the game. You don't have to seek him. He's yeah, he's the death one. So he happens once a month, I think, or at least a little bit more frequently than that. Um, but yeah, once you've killed all twelve of the uh, Moon Persona, then yeah, Nyx is basically coming down. And uh, originally, uh, the Karija group, the Matsuri's grandfather wanted Nyx and wanted like they embraced the kind of death that she was going to bring. And so this is why Yukari's father died, because he wanted to stop that, and that's why Nyx split into 12 or 13 different shadows. Um, and, so I thought... and, and, Ikuts- and Ikutsuki, the, uh, the um, advisor of the group, uh, is guiding the, 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 the heroes to defeat all these shadows and revive Nyx, when really what Yukari's father wanted is for is to ignore those shadows so that Nyx never arrives. And Ikutsuki, yeah. you find out Ikutsuki was really working for the evil all along. In, mm-hmm. in, where is it? I think it, November or maybe late October. Yeah. The full moon shadows are still sucking out souls, though, huh? So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, they are. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, there's the whole apathy They're the cause of apathy syndrome. Yeah, apathy syndrome <laughs> is, uh, um, throughout, from the beginning of the game through to the end, you find random people that are sort of just wandering like, a, like um, you know... Uh, like empty husks around town. Mm. That, that's because those were people that have persona potential, got caught in the dark dark hour, and then had their souls eaten by shadows. I like how in the first part of the game, it's like maybe one person per night that you see, and then by the end, yeah. it's pretty much you know the whole town. There, there, yeah. There's multiple people in every space you can walk to that have empathy syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof, persona three is a hell of a thing, isn't it? Mm. Heavy. Now, man, I, we we recorded a uh, a uh, a mana series podcast earlier. That's probably going to be the week after this one, and that and recording that just made me want to play Second and Sensor Three again. And this thing and <laughs> talking about Persona Three with you guys has me wanting to fire up the PSP <laughs> and probably replay the the girl route on that because 
Man, Persona 3 is it's a long, involved, dense game, but it is really satisfying and fun. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I say that, and I, I like Persona 4 more, but Persona 3 is awesome, and I don't want to take anything away from it. Well said. So. That is that was, it? That was the thing. I think I think we're hitting That's it. The end. Is, there, are, there, <laughs> are there any final points that we want to address before we uh, start our housekeeping and say our goodbyes? Um, I think we've hit everything I want to talk about. We've hit a lot of character stuff, some plot mm-hmm. villain stuff. We've hit music. Yeah, we have. We've done it. We've done background. We talked about good boys. Yep. Yes. It's a hell of, it is a, hell of a, it's game. a hell of a dog. It's a hell of a game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth experiencing. I think. Persona Three, good boys, bad people. <laughs> <laughs> so. That was our Persona 3 episode of Retro Encounter. Thank you so much for suffering along with us for this hour and a half plus, listeners. Uh, next week we are, I think, I think it is, I think that's how I'm going to schedule it. Next week we're going to have our special Mana series episode, which uh, Robert, Derek, and I talked at length about all of those delightful games. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I need to play all of them. They are almost all really good, at least the ones made up to the year 2000. Yeah, it's been bad longer than it's been good. It's but been bad first, longer. First three games. games. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. From <laughs> nine, from ninety one to two thousand, you are great. Those four games. Good. Yeah. Let's, let's give Let's give Legend of Mana some credit. You're right. Yeah. Legend yeah. Of Legend of Mana does deserve credit. Yeah. And Switch port. If the Switch port comes here, please oh, yeah, do we, it. Oh, the Switch port came oh, up in the conversation. God. Definitely. So good. look forward to that next week. And later this month, uh, we are going to have two episodes about Tales of the Abyss, the fan favorite <laughs> Tales of game, uh, which I am in the middle of playing right now, not this moment, but, you know, in my free time. And uh, so I'm looking forward to talking about that with uh, Alana and Steph as well, right? Right. Yeah. So, th- so that'll be a good time. And I hmm, I don't think it's time to announce the May game yet, even though it's in its planning stage. So we'll, uh, we'll wait on that a little bit. So uh, starting with Robert, um, can you tell us how uh, listeners can reach you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MissAnthroBob, and I'm always willing to talk about uh, Persona and SMT, so hit me up. And you're also Towns Car Marty on the boards, and you have that's right. And you have a delightful podcast with your friend Alva called Misanthropy. Yeah. Oh, you're too kind. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind people plugging their stuff. Come on. Check out check out our podcast, Misanthropy. By the time you hear this episode, we're going to have an episode on um, a myriad of Zelda clones, up Ooh. both good and bad. So, oh, Ooh, nice! Did you, talk, did you talk about three D dot game heroes? Yes, we do. Yes. Oh, oh that's lovely! A, that's a fun game. I like. Yeah. That so, so check that out, folks. Right on. And uh, Alana, same question for you. Uh, so I'm diving Falcons on the boards or I'm on uh, at Lana Hayes on Twitter, although I'm planning on going on a bit of a blackout because Persona 5's out so I already know a couple of spoilers, I don't want to know anymore don't talk don't, to me about don't Persona 5 yeah, okay. don't, I, am, yeah. I am in a very similar book to you because I am uh, going to be dropping everything else when Persona 5 hits and I'm we've, I, I know some spoilers, I don't need to know anymore yeah. <laughs> we've discussed the ones we know and luckily yeah, they yes. match up so it's fine we, we haven't ruined each other on Persona 5. <laughs> yeah. All right, and I am at the Real Monsoon on Twitter, and I also have a backup Twitter where I talk about Japanese superheroes a lot called at Evoker for Dogs, which is a Persona 3 in, in, uh, a, a Persona 3 <laughs> inspired title, I should mention. And I'm also Monsoon on the forums. 
So you've got you've, uh, you've got a blog with some uh, nice uh, Persona Three entries oh, that would complement this quite nicely. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a blog that's uh, the which has a lot of uh, a lot of Persona articles, a few more Japanese superhero articles. I think I I wrote about uh, I wrote about anime basketball once. That's still like my number one post in the for people in the Philippines. Um, <laughs> What specific? <laughs> no, seriously. It, it's my most... Slam Dunk or Kuroko? It, it, yeah. it, no, it... Okay, oh, God. It's, um... Th- those are two of my favorite series ever. Slam Dunk is my number one favorite manga of all time. And the post, oh, wow. And the, post, oh. and the post is who would win in a match between Shohoku High School and, uh, and Suzuron High School from Kuroko. And it's, um... That's great. Somehow... It's my number one most viewed post, and it gets like 15 views in the Philippines every month. I still don't understand that. <laughs> you'll you'll have to write about Dear Boys next. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm I uh, uh, the authors of both of those series have very good sports manga out right now. One about wheelchair basketball, and one about a an autistic. Oh wow! Kid, and one about an autistic kid that is a brilliant at brilliant at golf. But any any that's that's neither here oh nor there. Oh my god! I I mean, you want to talk about sports manga? I mean, I could I could do a whole month of podcasts just about those. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I don't know how much of that I'll cut out. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much, listeners, for putting up with us all this time. Uh, good night and good luck. I'm a man.